Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the he in female. Oh, that is what I thought. That's kind of in the realm of what I thought you were going to do. I thought you were going to be like, today we're not putting the she in anything (laughs) because we don't play pretend. Nope, that's what I said. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I played a game with my kids yesterday, a literary game. Oh, oh, that I've come up with. Okay, and it's fun for everyone. <laughs> um, so, the long and the short of it is, my kids had watched a movie and they were telling me the plot of the movie. I vaguely knew it's a kids' movie, and I vaguely knew the plot. Okay, it's an older one. Anyway, they're telling me the plot, and I said, "Hey, let's play a game. Give me any." good movie that you like and i will tell you how it tells it's a ripoff of the story of the bible oh and so what this led into they were like this story this story and of course you know i'm trying to explain to them like kill the dragon get the girl Mm -hmm. defeat satan it kind of the bride of christ this isn't the totally this isn't the same thing at all but it reminds me of when you used to tell stories to clementine of like the disney princesses and she'd have to guess before i ended the story yeah yeah, but you'd tell in this like very general way way. yeah Yeah. i'd be like this girl she had to clean all the time she was like three so yeah yeah, she had to Mm -hmm. guess cinderella before i got right this girl had really long hair yeah (laughs) yeah i like this i like those kind of games because i don't know just like anything that makes you think about story i enjoy right and so but then it gave me an opportunity to talk to the kids about how, like, the story of Christ and his bride is, like, the greatest story. And, you know, why why do we love stories of self-sacrifice? And what plot device is this? And who are we following after? And why is that a great story? And the moral of the story is <laughs> what that ended up doing was kind of giving my kids a device for deciding what is a good story or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Which then, is important. Very important. Because you can consume a lot of garbage if you don't know what a good story is. Yeah, and you can think it's good or fun or whatever. And so anyway, that led us into eventually, because we did this all through. I was cooking lunch and then all through lunch. And uh, it eventually led to a discussion about like why movies like Encanto are horrible. Because... Oh, you want to have that conversation <laughs> on the podcast? What a horrible movie. I mean, there's really no other way to start what all the other stuff I'm about to say anyway. <laughs> We're weeding people out right now. If you liked Encanto, Whoops. you probably won't like this episode. I think there are likable things about Encanto, oh, but yeah. overall I don't think... Um, well, the plot was just awful. Yeah, the, well, the premise I, was great. Right. The and pre- I, I think even comparing it to other Disney movies, I would say it's not good. And then even just in general, I had... Yeah. A lot of problems with it, but you know, if if you liked it, that's fine too. Yeah, we're you're we wrong, but like <laughs> it's fine. I know that it it's visually a stunning film, right? Yeah, and there's <clears throat> it's sort of that like a classic musical where they dance while they sing, beautiful. and that kind of thing. Yeah, beautiful. I'm into it. Like I said, the premise great, super um, cool, but just the part where. Everybody needed to uh, lose their powers and serve themselves was not mm-hmm. a plot that... And we're like, all these adults had to blame this one older <laughs> woman on all their problems that they could have taken responsibility for. No, let's not do that. It's grandma's fault. And let's not serve the village because that's where true power lies. Right. In self... The village serves us Service, now. yeah. And also Mirabelle gets no power. Yeah, and that's the most powerful... Having no power is the best form of power. What? Okay. Anyway, 
Anyway, I just think she was marginalized. That's how she knew. Yeah. More, more than everybody else. More than everyone else. Because she was marginalized. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. It's the victim that's the hero. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, wow. What a noble thing to aspire to. Also, um, if you have the superpower of strength, you automatically uh, look like a man. There's that too. <laughs> I mean, we could keep going. I was talking, I was like uh, our mutual friend that's also in book club. I was oh, talking uh-huh. to her about it the other night and like we literally could have gone on forever because she also is a brilliant person and hated it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will. And I didn't, it wasn't just the, the theme of it. It wasn't no. like the thematic elements. I had an issue with some of the storytelling elements and absolutely anyway the girl that could hear everything but didn't know bruno was living in the house well she did know did she know i in a way i think that actually highlighted more of the problem they were having (laughs) than a lot of the other problems they actually sang songs about yeah the fact that like two of the kids knew that bruno was hiding in the walls and and didn't say anything Anyway, the fact that the only the male son, one of the only men in the story, hid in the walls for the entire story. I, I don't know. Okay, we could go on. So many. On. Pro- but anyway, the moral of the story is I just had a lot of fun talking to my kids about it's a fun challenge for me to evaluate stories and like what kind of stories I'm letting my kids watch and enjoy. Right. Just like. Well, because sometimes a story is sometimes a bad story is wrapped up in like in a really other, pretty. Yeah. A musically catchy package. Yeah. And, uh, but what I've noticed and what I initially kicked off the conversation and why I thought of the game or the challenge would be more of a apt word was that when my kids are really, my kids don't like report a lot of excitement about a lot of movies. We don't watch a ton of movies, but, um, it's rare for them to watch a movie and then talk about it long afterwards and so I brought up to them like what movies have you seen you know a long time ago that you still think about and then we were able to talk about like every single one of those movies had a a savior someone who was Mm self-sacrificial someone who sacrificed for others and like why does that speak to you so much and like why do all humans know that self-sacrifice ultimately is what makes a real hero mm-hmm. um and of course he, he doesn't the, the self-sacrificer doesn't lose like even if like in inside out when bing bing bong sacrifices himself uh, you know he still he didn't lose like he right the plot could not have moved forward without his self-sacrifice so even like little kids see that and are just like well i just have a huge i just you know like we bing don't bong? watch we don't watch inside out Oh, there's because, lots of problems with Inside Out, but that's that's two, why I picked it. They make the same joke twice about the mom like having fantasies about some helicopter pilot that she could have married instead of did, yeah the dad. No, it's not a great movie, but that's what I'm <laughs> saying is that what do the kids remember? Right. They right. remember Bing Bong. Right. Why is that the one thing you remember? It's not the rest of the plot. It's the hero that allowed right. the girl to be saved. Yeah. Which anyway. I think just all great plot lines eventually go back to that core idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, I agree. It was fun to think through that with my kids. You're right. I forgot about that, about inside out. Inside out was forgettable. I didn't, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. And then I watched it again with some family and with Georgia. And I was like, I don't think it's obvious. That joke is an adult joke that, kids are the kids don't really pay attention to yeah but i was like yeah i don't like that joke that's a really bad joke for a kid's movie that is a- like mom I agree thinking about this other dude like hottie that she wished she had gotten with instead of her yeah I just, uh, let's not normalize that anyway <laughs> that's me i'm summer <laughs> that's what i do with my kids we learn spelling rules and um, well you're right i am joy and i'm here with my beautiful co-host summer and it made me think of a game that my husband and i started playing um which is really just it's not much of a game at all but it's where you like just pick a topic like a category of things and you just see who can name the most of the thing they know okay like, give me an example like if the category is ocean mammals, okay, then you just see who can name, like name as many 
ocean mammals as possible. <laughs> do you guys like do this on drives or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not it's not like a we don't like get a quick round in yeah, before yeah. we go to work or anything. Why not? Honestly, I mean, depending on the topic, some sometimes the topic gets brought up and it's like, um, I have three. I know three <laughs> of those. <laughs> Yeah, is it birds? We've done birds. <laughs> we have done birds. <laughs> well, Eric and I just still play Wordle. Uh, Matthew doesn't play Wordle, but yeah. I've been enjoying Wordle. Yeah, I like Wordle. It's been really hard lately. Um, until the New York Times took over, I was mm. always winning. And now I'm not always winning. So Really? Yeah. Well, I always get the word. Right. But extremes, I don't necessarily beat Eric, feel like, which oh, is all okay. I care about. Right. I care about nothing except for getting a better score. Well, let's, I mean, the game that I just mentioned, the only point of it is to be like, I know more than you. (laughs) Isn't that really just the point of the game that I just said? Every game. Really a game. Isn't that the point of every game? I win, you lose. (laughs) Done. (laughs) I have bested you. I'm sorry. We had a, um, our church did this very creative thing. Feel free to steal this idea. Where if you're having, if there's like a bunch of ladies having babies all at the same time, yeah. you have a group baby shower and everyone brings a gift valued at a certain price point. And then the moms like take turns going up to the table and choosing items. And everyone was just very calm and just like, oh, what'd you pick? And I was like, because I, so I picked two things and I put them on the table and as soon as the lady started picking, I was like, it's my mission to have my gifts chosen first. Like, this, <laughs> you is, a, your this is a competition because I obviously, I obviously bought the best stuff. So, <laughs> And they will know. Everyone will notice. Right. <laughs> they, my two items did go very quickly. Um, <laughs> That's but, what I was going to ask. Did they go? But it was just funny because I, I mentioned it at like to a few ladies that were standing right next to me but I was just like nobody else is being competitive about this it's probably just Just me (laughs) I mean who wants their gift to be picked last right no no one right yeah not that it would necessarily when you have like nine ladies picking from a table it doesn't really say anything about their quality no other than that I just I personally believed I should win right (laughs) even though there was no game this is a game you made up in your head. Uh-huh. Bless it. All yep. right. Well, you can tell us all the animals you know at 470-465-0475. Wow. All the animals? <laughs> what is the time limit on the Google voicemail? Three minutes. Okay. I have had many people have to call multiple times. Oh, I thought you were going to say I've had many people list <laughs> off us. animals in the Google voicemail. No. I've had many people have to call multiple times because their voicemail was more than three minutes. Um, well, maybe we should start saying that every time we talk about the voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. Less than three, three minutes. minutes. Or, long, or less. <laughs> yes. Because. They had yeah, no problem calling just, back. You know. So. Time yourself. Otherwise, you might get cut off. You have three minutes. Go. Whatever you want to say. All the things you want to say. All the animals you know. Quick. No pressure. <laughs> it's a competition. Okay. Um. <laughs> You can support us or join book club at patreon.com slash geologians. And we sell feminism is poison t-shirts at shopsheologians.com. There's also mugs. There's also stickers. There's also cell phone cases. I have one. I have the purple and white. You do. Feminism is poison case. It's actually my favorite We'll have new designs at some point. I very foolishly promised new designs for March, but I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. But in May, there will be. We're doing new designs. Mm. So it'll be super fun. Um, Okay. So we're in the fourth wave. And. And we just keep getting sadder. Um, That's a word for it. Yeah. I think we. Yeah. We hit this point, and I think what it, uh, how I put it to Summer, was that we've proven our point that the more the feminists got what they wanted, the sadder and wicked everyone became. Oh yeah, and so, um, we did when we did the first wave. We really wanted to distinguish that these were not just like old timey ladies that were sewing and a lot and just wanted to vote. 
um, we did want to make that point, but there is definitely something to be said about just the feel mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. these stories as mm-hmm. as uh, feminism became more actualized and more accepted. Yeah, and I, so I knew two weeks ago the direction that I wanted to go. Um, because for me, if we don't talk about this, then we're missing a huge piece of current feminism. So that's what fourth wave, fem- we're in the fourth wave. Of course, there's some argument about that. There's, although I put dates on the images for these <laughs> episodes, these are generally accepted dates that some people will quiver over, quibble mm-hmm. over about, you know, when is when was the first wave, second wave, third wave? Yeah. I would argue we're in the fourth wave. Um, you know, I think we talked about last week or maybe two weeks ago that even the quote unquote third wave, Rebecca Walker coined that term, but she coined that term when many were saying that the era that they were in was actually post, should be considered right. post-feminism. Um, so all that to say... If we don't talk about this topic in the fourth wave, I think we're missing a very important piece. But what I learned over the last two weeks um, is that I'm going to have to break the rules a little bit. I mean, it is breaking the rules a little bit. Yeah. So the self-imposed rules that we (laughs) came up with for ourselves. Um, The only time we ever bring up rules that we've made are when when we intend to break them. (laughs) I do want to explain myself, though. I do feel the need to explain myself, hold myself accountable, really, right. for what I set out to do. Um, and even, you know, a couple of days ago, you knew that there was two routes I was going to, I was telling mm-hmm. you, well, I could go this way or I could go this way. And I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So it's impossible to talk about feminism now without talking about trans feminism. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I will get into. Um and I think the trans issue, one of the reasons is, is that the trans issue impacts women, what's the word I'm looking for, um, disproportionately. And I will prove that in a minute as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, the, the whole trans issue is an issue facing women today. But also, I have been personally following the trans issue, particularly on social media for a long time. And there were several trans people that would identify themselves as trans activists that, you know, I've been reading their stuff for years. Um, yeah. And I thought these are, these are, this is interesting. This I'm easy. I'll choose one of these guys because I've been reading them for years. Easy peasy. Right. Um, and this stuff really is, it seems weird. And maybe there's times I wish I had, different preoccupations but a lot of the stuff we talk about on on religions really is just stuff we would have had an interest in yeah regardless i'm very interested in women and the yeah. things that impact mm-hmm. them yeah i just am <laughs> um and so i'm really interested in the men that believe that they're women mm-hmm. and why they're doing what they're doing yeah and and the thing is is that they're all when we talk about feminists we're talking about activists if you know someone who says they're a feminist and they have any sort of following, they are an activist. They are a mover, a shaker. Um, some of the trans people that I follow are um, authors, philosophers, lawyers, doctors. They're in the military. Um, they're professors. They have serious influence in their sphere and they are uh, busy with laws that are being passed. I'm going to talk about some of those in a minute. Yeah. Um, they are impacting the world. They're activists. And every feminist that we've talked about has been an activist. They have changed yes. the cultural landscape of their time, which has produced the cultural landscape that you and your daughters live in. So um, here's the part I want to say very carefully. <laughs> Over the course of the last couple of weeks, there have been several times where I've decided I'm going to talk about this person. They call themselves a trans feminist activist. They are a man that lives, quote unquote, their life as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, you know, you go to their bios and it's like, my pronouns are they, them, or right. she, her, or whatever. They're fully on that. 
Um, they're accepted as women in their field. Yeah. Um, they, like I said, dress like women. Many of them have had surgery. And what some of them are very like passing, not, not my favorite usage of that word, but sure. Some, I, there are people that I follow that I am almost inclined to call them by their wrong gender because of how much they actually have changed and altered their appearance technology has come a long way yeah um and what it's able to do and and its wickedness um but here's what kept happening um i would start to really do more reading about somebody like i said somebody who identified as a trans feminist activist who some of them like i said are one of them high up in the military um people that have real positions of power Mm -hmm. Uh, in uh, colleges and universities. And um, what kept happening was that as I was reading about their life in their own words, and again, you know, these people are alive, so I can watch their YouTube videos, I can go to their social media, I can read their articles. Um, There would come a point where I couldn't, I couldn't cover them because it became really clear to me that they are suffering from a mental illness. Like it, it was so hard to look at. Like it, it was so hard to look at just somebody's website mm-hmm. and the things that they were saying about themselves, the the kinds of things that they were writing, the kinds of things that they were saying, the way that they're dressing, the way they're presenting themselves. It was disturbing. It, it was, um, it felt like I would be picking on them. And that's not to say that they aren't men who should deal with the consequences of their actions. Right. But it became very clear to me that the mental illness went so far that it wasn't even something worth like, I- I'm not going to play you a clip of this man dressed as a woman reading his novella his very bizarre right. novella. Yeah. Um, but and to tell his life story, I would have to do that. Like, this is what he's writing. This is what he's saying. This is how he's influencing people. And I kept coming across that. I mean, there were, there were men, people who, um, are confused in this way. That includes people who think they are aliens Mm-hmm. animals mm-hmm. people who think they are people who are confused about their humanity they are suffering right they are suffering it is one of the saddest things that you can um mm-hmm. tr- attempt to watch yes um there there are professors at the highest echelons of the premier colleges in our country who call themselves uh, this one who, who I began reading some of his work. Um, He calls himself a trans feminist, queer black activist. Barber. I mean, sorry. (laughs) Just, just throw on more words. Um, And as I was reading his stuff, it was very clear that he views himself as a woman and he like genuinely believes that. And so I found a video of him doing a talk and he in no way even tries to pass as a woman. Like if you saw him or heard him, you would think he's just a normal average guy on the Mm -hmm. street. Um, so there, then I was like, well, I'm not, I can't go deeper down that rabbit hole. Um, so all that to say, what I decided to do because I kept getting to this point where I really felt like, okay, this actually wouldn't be appropriate. However, um, you absolutely have to talk about queer theory. You absolutely have to talk about the trans issue because this is the issue of feminism today. Like this, this is the issue. Yeah. This is kind of what, Towards the end of the third wave, this is at the beginning of the first wave. A lot of it was about um, race and ethnicity and um, maybe some of the more it sounds it's even crazy that I have to say this, but some of the more <laughs> normative sexual perversions. Um, 
or what I guess the less perverse <laughs> but still perverse perversions and then um, because of the logical conclusion of the early third wave by the end of it's this is why I there is a fourth wave because yeah. it is different yeah. and we've followed everything more to its logical conclusion right and that's really it's really uh it's perverse yeah so I I just beca- because I genuinely believe and I don't know maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this but because I genuinely believe that uh gender dysmorphia the the sincerely held belief that you were born in the wrong body is a real thing that many people experience because i do believe we live in a fallen world and that impacts you mind body and soul mm-hmm. um I, I really do believe that it's uh an illness a mental illness that should be treated that should be treated uh, i'm going to talk a little bit more about that what i'm going to talk about instead is really the character of queer theory, the character of the trans movement, um, instead of talking about one person specifically, because this is it is a little bit different. It's just different. Yeah. It's just it's you know I thought about it's possible you'll see something like this for me next week because I thought about kind of tackling as opposed to tackling one person. There's not a there's not a ton of fourth waivers that have a, an enormous body of work. At, similar to the previous waves that we've discussed because they're still Obviously, in the middle of producing right, it they have pl- there's plenty of work out there yeah but it, i had the same idea that it would maybe be more helpful to t- to go like topic yeah or like yep a specific element of activism as opposed to a specific person yeah i just i i can't anyway well, and so it's what it's important to know is that queer theory would not exist today if it wasn't for feminism. So, and the third waivers said this. The third wave was when the seeds of queer theory were really planted, mm-hmm. and now we're living in the full cornfield right. of it. Mm-hmm. So, queer theory essentially, and I mean, whether you want to know this or not, it might be important if you're ever going to walk out your front door, um, because kids know what queer theory is. Everything you watch has been steeped in queer theory. Not going to make that joke. Don't make that joke. Okay. Um, so <laughs> queer theory basically is just, it's it's the, the field of study that exists to challenge societal norms regarding identity, identity, number one, that's important, mm-hmm. um, sexuality, gender, and it really does exist to challenge what they call heteronormativity so anything that resembles what god has said (laughs) we should do with our sexuality and it wants to challenge the idea that heterosexuality is even natural or normal um and because hetero again just imagine me using these terms in quotes because i don't personally bow to these terms um i don't i don't subscribe to the idea of hetero normativity because that's how god God made man and woman that's the that's the normal Mm -hmm. um and the all of these words exist to challenge what god has said about this so just i want you to imagine air quotes please um because they say heteronormativity basically controls every aspect of society um that then it's going to be reinforced by the church and the government and then it's all about power and control, right? So anything postmodern is who is going to get the power, who is going to get the control. Um, so in the it's it is hard, like it's hard to say feminism is one idea. It's hard to say that queer theory is one idea, but it essentially came from different studies and movements. Feminism being a really important one. Um, subcultures uh it's always tied to black activism so i think that's super interesting we are always saying comparing um uh black rights to gay rights is Mm -hmm. totally faulty but you really can't if you look at the cultures separate the two in terms of what they're understood to be well i mean it's all it's all the the product of intersectionality 
which is a product of feminism. Like it's just undeniable. So it, right. if, if for some reason it does seem weird to you that we're connecting these things, like we didn't connect them. No, <laughs> they claim to be connected. Right. Um, and also I, I just, is it any wonder that over a century ago we decided that women are not for the purpose of woman is not what the Bible says. And now we're at a point where we don't even know what a woman is. Like right. it's not a mystery. What we're talking about now really is the fruit of what was planted. Um, so yeah. there's a feminist philosopher named Judith Butler. She was, I kind of thought she would be, or he, I'm sorry. He would be, uh, Again, it's the name. <laughs> the I'm used to referring to Judith's as she. <laughs> right. Um right. But I was wondering if he would, would be meant play come up. some part in your Yes. Yeah. So this person goes by the name Judith Butler. Well, that's another thing that's difficult is when you're reading about these people, it just says she, her, Judith. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you. Yeah. Um, that's something important to know. Um so Judith Butler was a a really important figure in the queer theory world. Um, And in his, see, it's hard in his writing, (laughs) Butler introduces, basically he was the, he is responsible for the idea of gender as a set of behaviors, a chosen set of behaviors rather than something that's innate in every person happening. Mm -hmm. So the split between sex and gender uh, in their meaning has not been around very long. Um, these used to be interchangeable terms and I've written on this before. I think Christians need to be really stubborn on this topic. I think we need to absolutely insist that sex and gender are synonyms. Um, but you need to know it was the trans community as a whole that pushed for, uh, your sex to be, to mean something biological and your gender to mean, how you want to present yourself or what you see yourself as or how you feel. Um, They think that gender is something that you perform. It's not who you are. It's not something that you are. It's performative. It's what you decide to express. um, And that essentially it's wrong to think of your sex and your gender as something that are immutable about yourself. So, I think just something really interesting about the whole, the movement as a whole and something that's happening to women as a result is that trans men are really leading the way. It's men. I just think how ironic that it's men um, that are really setting the terms, especially about regarding what queer theory looks like, because it's most, most popular platformed trans activists are men who go who appropriate with what it is to be a female um the irony is really thick but so there are there's something going on in our country right now called soji laws uh that stands for sexual orientation and gender identity laws that basically say that we have to treat um your gender identity so the gender that you claim to be or the one that you feel as a protected category like your race or your religion so essentially putting how you your pronouns um to be something that no one can discriminate against just like you can't be discriminated against for well supposedly for your skin color your religion things like that Mm -hmm. um and this could this is going to affect churches um and of course all the soji laws are basically based on the assumption that you can be born in the wrong body. That's that's the whole idea. It's this belief that you can be born in the wrong body. Um and it not be a mental illness. Right. That this is just something that happens in nature, which as a if you if you're a Darwinian evolutionist. Anyway, let's not even okay. Anyway, um <clears throat> so Yeah, the it's bleak enough. <laughs> it's yeah. It's dark enough, man. Okay. So 
So, so the SOGI laws, they, I, are, I would argue that they affect women the worst because it's by and large women that are left unprotected. And I'm not just talking about the cases that we know of, of women that have been, you know, attacked in bathrooms by men who, you know, put on a skirt and they're like, oh, I'm a woman. And they go into the bathrooms, although that is a real thing. And I will mention it um, in a little bit. But the trans movement as a whole has become a social contagion amongst young women. So what what's happening now, and you're not allowed to talk about this, um, when Abigail Schreier wrote her book on it, um, it was pulled from shelves and it was put back yeah. on shelves and it was pulled from shelves and then it was like you couldn't search for it on Amazon and um, this was all being super suppressed. But the fact is, and we we know this fact, is that girls experiencing so-called body dysmorphia feeling that they belong they are a they are a man trapped in a girl's body is found at 70 times the normal rate in friend friend groups so what that means is you can track who what women are going to go get hormones what young women are going to go get hormones by their friend group. And the this is happening in groups just like and it's the same it's the same demographic that you'd find um that you used to find decades ago um experiencing anorexia, right? So one girl becomes anorexic, mm-hmm. her friend becomes anorexic, her friend becomes anorexic. Same with self-harm. <sighs> same with cutting. One girl starts cutting, then her she tells her friend, then she starts cutting. Um so Uh, And I mean, even you can take this as far back as like witchcraft, right? Like witchcraft is catching in social groups of young women. Okay. Um, Why do we see this? We see it because this one lady put it, I thought it was smart. If you're, if you're a guy, right? If you're like a 15, 16 year old dude and you tell your friend, like, I'm depressed, He's going to be like, let's go play some basketball, man. And they're going to go like play some hoops. or They're going to go like skateboard or something. But in young women groups, <laughs> what you find are that women tend, women are more empathetic, right? We sit with our friends naturally in mm-hmm. their sadness. We talk about what they're doing. We talk about, we want to like feel their pain with them, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is the, one of the differences. And you between- like, you don't even want to end the conversation before you feel as though when it's appropriate, like you want them to feel either sympathy from you or feel as though they've resolved the issue or like women sit in these things and they feel done until like, and they feel with you feel with your friend. This is what you do. This is how, this is how young women bond. Mm -hmm. And so social contagions like cutting, like anorexia, um, like witchcraft. I know that seems, sounds silly, but um, it's on the list. And now the trans craze, they mm-hmm. are literally found at 70 times the normal rate in young female friend groups than you would find it anywhere else. Because, well, we know that body dysmorphia is a real thing. Gender dysmorphia is a real thing where you feel that's a real thing. Finding it in this rate says that something else is happening. Yeah. Another reason why we know that is because if some people will argue, well, now, you know, society is more accepting. So people who really feel this way are now free to come We've out. We've been feeling this way. We just didn't have the freedom yes. to express. Well, if that's true, then you would see a rate of women in their 40s, their 50s and their 60s coming out at similar rates. And they're just not. That's not happening. If it was a matter of society being more accepting then the people who weren't able to, quote unquote, come out as teenagers would be able to come out now and you would see a similar rate happening, but that's not what's happening. Um, And the fact that this is happening in the same population as we used to see things like cutting and anorexia says a lot. Mm -hmm. So young women are particularly prey to this. Social media is a huge factor in it. Well, and I, I personally think that one of the main reasons why uh, nobody wants anyone to think that girls, young girls, are vulnerable mm. is because that would mean they would need someone to protect them. Yeah. And mm. that person would be their father. 
Right. It would need to be men. Right. Um, I actually have a story that tells that. Um, another thing to look at is that among this group, suicide rates go up after transition. Yeah. So we're not talking about... That's actually a very interesting part of that statistic because that statistic is usually thrown around to prove trans violence. But trans pe- trans people tend to be very violent to themselves. Yes. Even after they have allegedly completed the action that should That's make going to them help feel them. better. They're, the point is they're not feeling better even after they've right. transitioned, which was supposedly the stress relief that they needed. Um. Another, in, I mean, another injustice, uh, especially having to do with the SOGI laws, is that at 15 years old, I don't, I don't know if that's the same age everywhere, but you can walk into a Planned Parenthood and you can leave with hormones. So any 15, 14, 15 year, year old girl. They just, in Arizona, they just passed some legislation that talked about, but it was, I didn't read the article yet. And it was, it said like transitioning mm-hmm. when you're under 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if that refers to like hormones or surgery or whatever. Right. But they just passed something in Arizona making it like illegal for well. Kids in most Planned to... Parenthoods, you can walk into Planned Parenthood, you can tell them, "I feel like I am a man trapped in a woman's body," and leave with testosterone. Well, and I without would, a doctor's note. Yeah, I believe that Planned Parenthood would find a way around it if totally. there was legislation. You don't need a therapist <laughs> note. You don't need proof. You don't need anything. You just walk in there, tell them how you're feeling, and leave with testosterone that will absolutely wreck you. They will that do that sounds for like you. a really, really caring mm-hmm. system that mm-hmm. uh, really just wants the best yeah. for people medically. Yeah. It sounds like healthcare to me. Well, you can also um, have your breasts cut off um, and all you have to do is sign a form for most doctors. You go in, you tell them this is how I'm feeling. And most doctors in this nation, especially because of SOGI laws, cannot refuse you. You don't need a note from a therapist. You don't need any testing done. Now, there are some surgeons, I'm sure, that say no to this, that mm-hmm. require more. Right. But most surgeons, if you tell them, because because they have become a protected class, most surgeons now, no testing, no therapy, no nothing. They will just cut your body parts off as long as you sign a form. Um, I read a story about a young girl who, you know, she was lonely. She started getting all kinds of social media attention after she said she felt like she was, she came out quote unquote as trans. Um, And everybody was so encouraging and actually paid for her to undergo surgery. And when she woke up from the surgery with no breasts and no uterus, she realized that she had done something horribly and irrevocably wrong. And that really all she'd been feeding off that entire time was the the attention she was getting from strangers off of the internet. And when she went home and didn't really get that same attention because she'd already gotten the surgery and she didn't want to share pictures because it was awful. Well, and that process is not just so you know, in case, in case anyone is under the extreme delusion that you just create or remove body parts. Um, that's not how that works at all. No, there is a rough mm-hmm. and unnaturally rough. Mm-hmm recovery involved with some of these procedures it's a tragedy that you're not allowed to talk about it like it's a tragedy that i've followed people that have talked about their post surgeries Mm -hmm. and in a way i'm like in a way i'm like good yeah this shows how unnatural but the hatred they get for it and it, you know, there are so many um, post-surgery, you know, people detransitioners, right? Right. That they are. Well, I was talking about people who are just people who <laughs> are still in the lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they get showered with mm-hmm. all this praise. And I'm like, are you watching the same video I'm watching? Because right. they're talking about what it involved, like this, yeah. the details of a recovery mm. when you remove body parts and create. Mm. new body parts quotes Mm. again air quotes please see those Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it is not just like oh and then they made me a lady right and that's it it just my body just took to it no it's a it's horrible right it's a really rough experience i mean they people are depressed often as they go through this and then afterwards as well um and (sighs) 
the fact that so we have a we have a position another thing to know about all of this again this is all in this particularly really threw me but in abigail schreier's book uh she was talking about how in la public schools um it is their policy the head of the la public schools was saying like they aren't just there they don't exist public schools don't exist just to educate children they are essentially places where social norms are reformed and the children are retrained this is why um many times school many many schools have laws in place where the child can go to the teacher and the administration and say so maybe you know little kid tommy goes to his teacher and says my name is alice my pronouns are she her right because they've seen people on the internet do this right and the school by law will begin to talk to little Tommy, call him Alice, Mm -hmm. call him she, her, and the parents have no idea. And and so the mentality behind it is that the public school becomes a better parent. Right. Than their, than the child's actual parent. Right. And there are parents who have tried to fight this and protect their kids and, and gotten in trouble with the school districts for doing so. I don't know if you remember, but, um, I think it was last last fall sometime that thing that happened in Loudoun County where a young woman was sexually assaulted by a guy in a skirt in the bathroom at the public school and the public school tried to hide it. They actually had the dad arrested for speaking out about it, claiming that he was um, disrupting whatever the meeting was when he was like, my daughter was raped on your campus. The, the school tried to cover it up because the perpetrator claimed that he was trans and they needed they need to protect trans students. And the girl who was sexually assaulted was actually treated by a, like a pariah by the media. This is what I mean when I say like women are left unprotected. Right. Women, the social contagion element, and then this kind of stuff. Right. Who is left unprotected? It's it's women. Right. Like it's wicked and it's evil. And this is feminism. This is what feminism hath wrought. If men and women are no different, then all of this. I mean, how can you even talk about a man and a woman? How can you even expect a man to act a certain way or a woman to act a certain way if we're all just supposed to be whatever we want to be? Um, societal norms are actually <laughs> actually a good thing. And anyway. Um, well, it all comes down to just like principle. Like, do you agree with us? Because if right. you do, you're in. If you don't, you're out. Right. There are there are some trans. There's a... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a trans man. Uh, he used to be more he presenting. Okay. Um, but he is rather female looking. I would say you okay. would not know. Surprising. Yeah. Um, and that happens. <laughs> he gets vilified because he thinks that people shouldn't be able to transition at young ages because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so he has all the, he's not falling in line mm-hmm. with the typical feminist intersectional narrative. Uh, even though he is quite literally, one of them he's not one of them right because you can tolerate we tolerate all views except for those that do not agree with us well exactly yeah tolerance is a total joke um so what i want what why is this even worth thinking about um i think it's important that christians It's it's something – the reason I couldn't talk about one specific person in general is that, honestly, it really made me want to weep for these people. Many of them are wicked and deserving of the wrath that is to come. But at the same time, the suffering is obviously so real. Like, I absolutely believe that people – many people genuinely – are so confused in this godless time where we are so confused over sexuality. Being confused about your own gender is a, is is painful. Not knowing what you're for is painful. Yeah. You're made in the image of God and it's painful. And it's sad that people have taken on this Darwinian view 
of the world where they have no purpose, they have no moral significance, they think that their body is just this bag of meat that can't inform them about who they are or what they ought to be doing. I mean, rudderlessness is depressing um, and it's dark. And so as Christians, because we have a view of the world where everything has a purpose, we can look at nature we can look at our bodies and affirm the goodness of what they are in a biblical way, meaning I have value and dignity because I've been created in the image of God and I know what I'm for. I can look at what, how he has made me. An animal. Right. And I can look at how he has made me and I know where I fit in the created order. I, I'm not confused about like, what am I for or who am I or you know, do I belong in the backyard or, you know, I have no which question. De- which desires I should indulge and which ones I should not. Right. Even because right. we've been, we've all been told, do whatever makes you feel good. And what has that created? No one feels good. Other than uh, just increasing rates of suicide, increasing rates of chopping off body parts. Right. Increasing rates of engaging in nameless, faceless right. promiscuity. <laughs> it's not helping it doesn't no. help. Well, we know the numbers, roughly 80 to 90%. Okay, 80 to 90%. This is a vast majority. Up to 80 to 90% of children who experience some kind of gender incongruence lose those feelings before adulthood. And we're not even giving them the chance to reach adulthood before we hand them hormones and cut off body parts. Um. And so the fact that there is a binary, right? So there's men and there's women. This is not a negative limitation that has been sadly imposed upon us by nature. Um, It's not, it's also not just the oppression of the dominant culture, quote unquote, heteronormativity. It's, we know that it's a positive, healthy form of interdependence that we have on each other that God has put into into place. It makes us social beings. We're designed for a mutual interdependence and managing our families and managing our communities mm-hmm. and managing civilization. And why on earth it's considered acceptable to essentially chop up someone's body to match their inner fleeting feelings. Yeah. Um, now, I know it might not feel fleeting, but it often is. Um, but it's, how, how is it kind to do that, but it's bigoted to instead help them change their inner feelings to match their body because ultimately feelings can change, but bodies are observable facts that have to be chopped up and harmed in order to change. And they never do change because the at the end of the day, every woman taking testosterone right now, if you were to, uh, you know, dig up her bones in 100 years, the scientists would look at her bones and go, this is a female. Right. Because even our bone density and structure is so obviously different that you are a male or a female down to your innermost parts. Yeah. Um. Why are your feelings the most reliable marker of your gender identity? It's foolish. It's a foolish way to look at the world. And so I think... Well, and it's just... It just dissolves into nothing. Yeah. Because the... Well, the thing that's been added on Mm -hmm. is that your your Mm -hmm. feelings and the sex that you present as can change even on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But you can't, you can't put your breasts back on. No. That's, this is a, that's not something you can ever go back on. Uh, and no, we are not no, protecting. Especially when you start at a young age. Yeah. We're not protecting young women from that. We don't even know yet the long-term damage of giving young children cross-sex hormones. We know it ca- we know it causes damage. We know it causes right. problems. It sterilizes them. Number one. But we don't know the long term damage because <laughs> right. we haven't been doing this long enough. Right. Um 
And ugh, we've just made it a such a weird habit in our culture to just give young kids hormones. Right. What, like whether it's through hormonal birth control or because right. of some weird right. gender dysphoria. Like I don't. Well, and I think, you know, I said earlier that girls are vulnerable, mm-hmm. but children are vulnerable in general, girls mm-hmm. especially so. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need someone in authority to protect them. Mm-hmm. And we live in a in a culture that pretends to say that all authority is bad, but really what they're saying is our authority is what's good. And it's groomy. It's groomy and it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. Mm-hmm. And we need to... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the reason why episodes like this need to happen is mm-hmm. because it's groomy and weird. And mm-hmm. if someone's trying to groom your kids, you yeah. need to know. <laughs> well, and I think what you what Christians need to know, there was all the stuff is so wicked. And truly, scripture is the answer. Like the way to love your body and who you are in a righteous way that isn't going to destroy you is explained to us is is by viewing yourself the way that scripture views us the way that like by viewing yourself as what god has said that you are there's no way to come to peace with yourself under a scalpel that's going to be fleeting that is not going to last because at the end of the day you're never going to be i could never be man enough there's no amount of testosterone right. i could take um that's ever going to make me man enough uh and Christians more and more, I think, are being totally influenced by the devil to believe that perhaps we just need to love and accept them for who they are. And that truly, um, instead of being bigoted and helping them change their sense of self to match their body, we should just allow them to carve themselves up and dose themselves with dangerous hormones that are not natural to their system. And I I think, I, I mean... <sighs> Just this week, I there was like a dust up. I saw conservative people who claim to be conservative reformed evangelicals um, not able to say that this trans, this guy who says he's a woman is in sin. That's how far, I mean, we're under judgment like to be at this point. Right. For any evangelical quote unquote leader to not be able to say no dude you're not a woman right um like we've muddied the binary so much that we don't know anything right and we can't say anything we don't know anything about sexuality and identity yeah we don't know anything despite having the exclusive yeah word on it literally the word (laughs) i just think it's easy for us to go well not in my corner of the world right not in my church not my kids won't be affected and just so you know, like queer theory does not just apply to trans right. people. Right. Um, and while there is a shocking explosion of <laughs> of yeah. it, mm-hmm. um, there is also a shocking ex- explosion of all kinds of what mm-hmm. people would would say exploring the binary. Yeah. D- identity that changes every day. Having no sexuality. Claiming to have no sexuality. So mm-hmm. not... Um, either claiming to not have feeling sexual feelings for anyone and not feeling as though they have no gender, which I'm sorry, but what does that make you? That makes you not a human. Right. Right. Because there's only men and women. That's the only way to experience being a human is either well, as a man or a woman. Right. And and it's not even not a human because <laughs> male and female are the two types that animals come in. Right. <laughs> not to say that humans are animals again. Right. But what you're saying in that moment is I'm not I'm not even from here. I'm not even a created being. Right. Um your children another just thing to note is like your children don't belong on social media because a lot of this has passed through social media. Um and young men and women this this stuff is strong. It's stronger than you realize. Um and I remember Paul Washer saying that we won't be persecuted because we're Christians. This is a total paraphrase. We'll be persecuted and we'll be called perverts. Right. We'll be we'll be right. called child abusers. Mm-hmm. Um because we we tell our kids that homosexuality is wrong. Right. We tell our kids that abortion is wrong. These are the grounds on which we will be called 
child abusers, et cetera, et cetera. So on this topic in particular, everything I've said is is not allowed um, in many places. Uh, and pretty soon all of this, like I said, this will be moved to be placed under SOGI laws where you're not allowed to say stuff like that. You're not allowed to say you're not allowed to, quote unquote, miss misgender someone. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to not use their pronouns correctly. Um, and that's all that's all headed our way. And it really is the fruit. Now, I know that the first wave feminists, if they if we oh could my. show all of this to them. Yeah, I think they would be shocked. I, I think, think they would yeah, be Lucy absolutely would be like not that kind of discontent. Um, they would be absolutely shocked. But this is absolutely the fruit of what yes. they wanted. And it makes perfect sense to me that this is where feminism would ultimately end up. Um, and if you don't think it could come to you, <laughs> they just did a, uh, I don't remember what it's called, special documentary, I don't know, reunion, whatever, for like Harry Potter, uh-huh. 20 years yeah. or whatever. I didn't watch it, but I saw that it happened. What I saw was that J.K. Rowling was not allowed to be in the documentary. The author of Harry Potter mm-hmm. was not allowed, or I'm probably calling it the wrong thing, the reunion, um, because she believes that women are women and men are mm-hmm. men and for that she is hated yeah and, and when also they... there are no gay characters in harry potter right so her representation is bad and when they um did put clips of her in the reunion they made sure to label it like this interview was done in 2018 or whatever whenever she before she took her public stance mm-hmm. right before the author the creator <laughs> was cut from her own creation yeah um we would never use her words now because she believes that women are women and they must be women biologically so if you don't think this can come for you (laughs) um she's not even she's a progressive she's a leftist yeah we just shouldn't be ignorant about the powers of social media especially Mm. let me just hit on this point again especially in vulnerable groups of people Mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna tell you that your kids are not adults. <laughs> They're not. Now, I think we do delay maturity a lot in our culture. Far, far enough. I mean, it's we're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm just saying your kids and your daughters specifically um, are vulnerable. Feminism doesn't want to admit that women and girls need protectors. Um, but they do. That's a part of that natural... Uh, role that's those abilities um but yeah social media is just um it's not like you using social media and you know we have an interesting um our generation millennials have an interesting perspective we're really the first parents Mm -hmm. that could even possibly understand the allure of what happens on social media Mm -hmm. it's just that we like you know, you're talking about um, like Prozac Nation, that sort of like romanticized like depression and just Mm -hmm. grayscale everything. And Mm -hmm. but you're like moody, but artsy and poetic and you like smoke cigarettes or whatever. (laughs) Like that was what we were. It just like Mm -hmm. maybe it didn't seem like it was all as influential because we weren't influenced into something as crazy as kids are being influenced into now. Right. But that doesn't mean like the draw. Right. And significance of it is less. It just means that things are getting crazier. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, Oh man, I should have thought of a bring it back upper and there isn't always one. I didn't. You'd think I would by now. You'd I'm think just I'd trying know to think. Better. I'm just trying to think of it as in terms of the feminism is poison study, character studies. It's like every time it feels sad, we've just proven our point. Yeah, we've just hit it. Yeah, on the head over and over again. Mm-hmm. That the just the fruitlessness, literally in yeah. this episode, um, the stripping of fruit. <laughs> um, yeah. And just the just the sadness that yeah, it's not. And certainly, I hope that it uh, it shows that we're not here to just like have a jab at no. people who believe silly things that we don't. 
It's very sobering. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's one reason why I couldn't pick one person was that um it made me feel very humble that um man, there's a lot of just darkness in the world that I mean, really, if you are a believer in a church and a great community, you've just been so sheltered and protected from um, that is just so common. And for these young girls, just reading about the young girls, especially if you can get a copy of Irreversible Damage, you absolutely should pick one up. Um, We wouldn't agree with Abigail Schreier on everything. Right. She's not a Christian. She's a reporter. (laughs) Um, She really did. But she did her research, research yeah. and um, the numbers are staggering, and, and it's something I think if you work with young girls, just really important to know. If you have young girls, important to know. Um, of course, I just, your young girls shouldn't be on social media, period. Like, there's just absolutely no doubt about that. Um, maybe your older girls shouldn't even be on social media. I know adult women that shouldn't be on social media. Right. Um, but all that to say, it, very sobering. And um, I hope that feminism just soon dies. That's my that's my hope for feminism. Agreed. So anyway, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. We will see you next week. See you.